0: Hello.
1: Hey, how are you?
0: I'm great. How are you?
1: I'm thinking like a lawyer today.
0: You know why that's great? Why is that great? Because this is the proper forum for that, because you are on Thinking Like a Lawyer, the And, you know, the the weekly podcast where Above the Law...
1: it's really convenient that it worked out like that.
0: uh, Yeah, it's almost like you planned it. Almost. But I know you didn't, because then it would show me that somebody had opened my planning memo for the week.
1: Oh, stop. There is no memo. At best, it's a quick chat.
0: My name is Joe Patrice. I work at Above the Law. That is Catherine Rubino. She's also you know ostensibly working and above the law a, with me
1: what whoa shots fired
0: what I, I, mean? I oh, oh no. um oh is that not a synonym for currently maybe I I just maybe it's my vocabulary is suffering
1: wow maybe that's wow yeah this is okay okay it's gonna be like that it cool. is
0: exactly well so <laughs> uh yeah so we're here to talk about some of the big stories of the week in the legal world, uh the week that was. We can't predict the future yet.
1: Well, AI is yeah. probably can do that.
0: Well, yeah, we can talk <laughs> during our little small, small talk small talk se- session. I'm sure that will come <laughs> up. Uh yeah, so I have been at the ABA Tech Show as How is usual. That? Uh great what do you mean as
1: per you you mean like yearly? Yeah,
0: it's an annual show. Well and you made I go it go sound it.
1: was like, you know, you're always at a legal tech conference
0: in a sense in a sense i am (laughs) uh yeah so uh yeah so that was the tech show that happened this last week not to be confused with the one that i went to two weeks before or the one that i'm going to in two weeks uh so
1: it's largely the same group of players at each of these conferences you
0: know it's interesting it's not uh because because that's no it isn't and that's a thing that people i think don't necessarily understand about the legal tech world. There are a lot of similar players, but they aren't all the same because not just because different practice areas need different things and Some and there's some specialization there. There's different sectors of the market that need different things. A giant law firm doesn't need the same software solutions as a tiny one. And, you know, so ABA Tech But show- there are
1: multiple conferences that deal with… Big law tech needs. There are multiple conferences so, uh, that deal with small of. law tech needs.
0: It was a sort of. So obviously there are different conferences that do different things and there are some overlap. ABA Tech Show is not, for instance, run by one company. Uh, so there may be another show like, say, Clio Cloud Conference, which is run by Clio, and they serve largely small law firms, but that's their customer cl- conference, which sure. is different than the ABA Tech Show, which is run by the ABA and is therefore more agnostic on that front. But the ABA Tech Show does largely, and it doesn't claim to be exclusive, but it does largely serve the smaller law firm market. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so, yeah, so we were there. It was actually, I thought it was more active than it had been in a while. I thought it was a really successful iteration of this show. They run a nice startup alley of all the little startups. What makes
1: a successful iteration of a tech show? Is it the... Folks' participation, their engagement, how does that change from one to another?
0: That's a great question. I think it depends on how you're coming at it, and I am very much coming at it from the perspective of being a journalist. Uh, so sure. I, might not, I it may not be fair, but uh, no, I thought attendance seemed up, engagement seemed up. People were very interested to be there. It wasn't just, you know, folks showing up and then I never see them again, mm-hmm. Uh a lot of conversations happening, especially because there's been a lot of development in legal tech over the last little bit here. You know, we all these AI a lot of, stories.
1: Chat GPT talk. A, huh? a lot
0: of chat, chatter. Yeah, exactly. So <laughs> there's been a lot I of think that. you did that. And that and that does increase things too. But you know, we had a, a, a very robust startup group of startups there. Mm-hmm. And I've mentioned before that as much as this show is based around Small law. I also feel like this show has a very strong horizontal sales movement as opposed to law firms coming in trying to find the solution for their firm. There's a lot of small startups coming in and uh, bigger companies finding a way to integrate those into their product. So, but there was a big alley with some really cool stuff there. Uh, some companies nice. I'd already known, uh, some that I learned for the first time. Startup the startup competition usually is held the opening night in a tiny side room with maybe 20 30 people in it Uh, i think there were around 300 or so in that room Mm -hmm. this year so it was much more robust
1: well there you go yeah so we're back it's where the legal tech conference circuit has rebounded Yes, um, from I, COVID I, uh, lows. Well,
0: certainly that. And, and, you know, a lot of congratulations go to the people who ran ABA Tech Show this year. At the, you know, the leadership did a good job of building out a show that was going to draw people in, and uh, it was exciting.
1: Oh, there yeah. you go. How
0: was your time?
1: I went to my family's annual St. Patrick's Day party this past weekend. Yeah. Yeah. My mom is proud of her Irish heritage and every year throws a fairly large party in her home, uh, (laughs) complete with uh, Irish flag shots, lots of beer, corned beef, cabbage. Um, I got some Irish soda bread to take home with me, which is kind of making my week. But uh, yeah, it was a good time.
0: That is exciting. Yeah. So... I think we're done with uh, talking small. Ready to talk big?
1: (laughs) Is there a big loss story you want to talk about, Joe?
0: Not really. Oh. It's a big story, though. Yeah, the biggest story I... I want to talk about, and this happened.
1: It's a very big story, and I will say one that you uniquely broke amongst journalists a lot. You may have heard about this story from other publications, not just legal publications. It kind of has crossed into, like, a bigger media story, but it was broken by our own Joe Patrice. Aw,
0: thanks. Yeah, no, uh, we received some anonymous tips about this as it was developing. Yeah, shout
1: out to the ATL tipsters.
0: Yes, tipster network, you... Need you know we tell you all the time, but you really are the most important folks out there because mm-hmm. otherwise there's no way we would know what's going on in random courthouses on the other side of the country. You know, it's, it's you all who let us know these things. Uh, earlier in the month, I guess this is technically last month, or uh, er, earlier in February, there was a hearing in the courtroom of Judge Roger Benitez in the Southern District of California, down in San Diego. It was a revocation hearing for a guy who you know, was facing the, you know, revocation of his parole, Uh, he had done something that was gonna trigger that. Sure, Uh, He was at his sentencing for that uh, hearing and told the judge that he wanted to move. Uh, He actually wanted to not be, you know, not be put back in jail and indeed as, to be able, as
1: lots of folks i'm sure make similar sense. requests okay. which makes sense
0: but also wanted to be in a position to move out of san diego uh, he blamed that the people he grew up with are contacts that he can't really avoid in the city okay. uh, and because he of wanted that, to
1: remove himself from the negative influences in his life okay. exactly Seems-
0: uh, one of the, one of the citations for the, the one of the things he cited for that is he had a thirteen year old daughter and he was sure. concerned about how she was going to grow up and he wanted to give her a better life. Uh, she actually attended the hearing for the first time. She'd never been to any of her father's hearings, but okay. you know she's a little bit older uh, and so it could be a little less traumatizing to watch something like that. So she. She came to support him. Uh, unfortunately, this is where it takes a turn and the hearing becomes way more traumatizing than uh, than otherwise. Uh, upon hearing that she existed, the judge decided to order the marshal to grab her and arrest and put her in handcuffs and then put her in the jury box. Was she,
1: was she disturbing the court proceeding in any way at all?
0: No. Uh, she was she- just there. You know, she was just there. Uh, yeah, no. Uh, the judge decided to make this an impromptu scared straight episode, uh, and with no
1: indication she'd done anything that required being sque- scared not, straight. Not
0: particularly, other than potentially a, having
1: a father that was arrested. Yeah,
0: who was saying, "I want to, I want to move," so that she doesn't go down the same path. Uh, I guess, I guess, because the judge didn't didn't intend to allow that, he decided he was going to do his own way of keeping her from doing that, and you know. Wow. decided to uh put her involuntarily detain her without any legal authority to do so seems
1: super problematic
0: yeah that's 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 in most situations false imprisonment now obviously judges live in something of a weird lawlessness zone where sure. we let them get away with a lot of stuff. Obviously, they have a lot of
1: con- i do what I want,
0: yeah, they have a lot of power to deal with contempt and stuff like that, but you know, when somebody's not doing anything contemptuous, who knows? Anyway, she was sobbing, as one might if they're uh, being held like that. Ultimately, he let her go and told her she was an awfully cute little girl, a young lady, and uh, that seemed, you know, a little bit more serial killy, killery, to have somebody cuffed up and sobbing and tell them they're and tell a child that she's cute. So, yeah, that all happened
1: yeah that doesn't sound great
0: yeah so the the way this actually got to our attention was that the 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 federal defender's office uh is involved- I believe it was the federal defenders it was uh, the the defense attorneys made an issue of this. they asked for a new judge uh which they got uh, obviously and, <laughs> seems fair and seems, put in it seems their-
1: like a bare minimum actually
0: put in the new sentencing memo. Uh so so the original judge Judge Benitez uh, uh sentenced this guy to 10 months in jail and another couple of years of supervised release. The get upon getting a new judge, the defense lawyers said, "Hey, you know, based upon what he just had to witness of his daughter's traumatization, perhaps we, we call can call it, call it time, time served." Yeah.
1: Peace out. Yeah. Uh
0: yeah, so within about Within uh, an hour or two of that coming in, the new judge said, obviously, uh, and made it time served. And so uh, all's moderately well. That ends well as far as the family goes. A complaint has now been filed. It has been pushed up to the Ninth Circuit to review. Uh, The Ninth Circuit had this... You know, it's interesting. They actually had this complaint uh, for a bit, apparently, and weren't going to tell any of us about it, it seems. But uh, because, the you know,
1: transparency not being apparently that important.
0: Yeah. So but because this uh, had been as as the memo notes, because this has now been reported in the media, there you go. They mean us,
1: yeah. Uh,
0: because it was reported in the media, they felt that they had to announce that there was an inquiry going into this to maintain public trust in the judiciary. Don't know Which, why. Yes. Yeah yeah I don't know why it's not a, an issue of public trust in the judiciary beforehand the the mere fact that it happened, even if people don't well, know about it. more people
1: are distrustful when they hear about I guess it that's right? the, issue. <laughs> the, the the larger the story becomes, the more the distrust grows
0: yeah but again uh thanks to all the tipster side of things for letting us know about this because again you've you've done you've done a service because you we may never have known, and punishment could have been non-existent, could have been swept completely under the rug. But for us being able to report it, I mean, obviously, this is the Ninth Circuit. And that's not something that's, you know,
1: (laughs) the Ninth Circuit doesn't have the best record when it comes to judicial ethics and and making sure that their judges don't do bad things.
0: Yeah, no, because yeah, I mean, you've covered you covered extensively the Judge Kaczynski issues, which there were a lot of complaints there. They were ignored, shunted off to the Third for Circuit. Three years. The yeah. Third Circuit ignored those. Uh, yeah, uh, ultimately that ended with him resigning. and
1: Which ended the inquiry into any misconduct, as happens too frequently in the federal judiciary.
0: Right. But yeah, so this is, a, this is an issue in the Ninth Circuit that uh, is not going to go away immediately, it sounds like. So we got that going for us. Generate quality briefs, memos, and redlines in minutes with Calidus AI. You enter the case's facts, then Calidus suggests bodies of law, statutes, and precedents. You tell it if those are relevant, and Calidus generates a well-cited, well-formatted document. You can trust what went into it because you put it there. Be exceptionally productive with better outcomes using Legal's most advanced AI platform. Just three minutes from registration to results. Get $90 off your first two months. Use promo code Joe at CalidusAI.com. That's C A L L I D U S A I dot com. Hey, Guy, what's up? Just having some lunch, Conrad. Hey, Gee, do you see that billboard out there?
2: Oh, you mean that guy out there in the gray suit? Yeah, the gray suit guy. Order up. There's uh, all those beautiful, rich, leather bound books in the background. That is exactly the one. That's JD McGuffin at Law. He'll fight for you. I bet you he has got. So many years of experience. Like decades and decades. And I bet Guy, I bet he even went to a law school. Are you a lawyer? Do you suffer from dull marketing and a lack of positioning in a crowded legal marketplace? Sit down with Guy and Conrad for Lunch Hour Legal Marketing on the Legal Talk Network. Available wherever podcasts are found.
1: So we also had another story where Misbehavior features prominently (laughs) in it, and not nearly um, as severe as more of a joke than anything else, but really shows you how important it is to have a professional-facing persona at all times when you're dealing with big law firms. Uh, It was a Reddit story of someone who had applied to a U.S. firm's London office and uh, has applied, had gotten an interview, missed a call from them, and he has a voicemail uh, <laughs> that makes a Bofa D's nuts bitch joke. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> uh, you know, not really professional at all. So this uh, this call went to voicemail. The uh, folks from the firm heard this, you know, inquestionable taste voicemail.
0: And by voicemail, I, I, like this is the greeting message. Correct. Right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Correct. Right.
1: Right. Hi, I'm sure you're. Yeah. I'm sure you're calling me with a question, but I have a question for you. I was just wondering what bofa is. Uh, Never mind. I just I remembered. Know. It's bofa ds nuts, bitch. Get trolled, nerd. Nice. Yeah. That that was the message. <laughs> the
0: weirdest thing is if you call the general number for Kirkland Ellis, it's about the same thing. <laughs> it's
1: very similar. Uh, the results, however, of this phone call and this message was that the firm reached out back out to the candidate and said, thanks, but no, thanks. Uh, we have rescinded our offer for an interview. You do not have the level of maturity uh, to be to work at the firm. And we don't think you're particularly funny.
0: OK. I mean, if, if, if they don't think he's funny.
1: <laughs> well i mean it uh, listen we all know that the legal industry is not in its growth moment right now mm. there's they're not net, they're not inclined to overlook any red flags big ones small ones anything in between they have lots of folks applying to them right the r- most recent nalp numbers reveal that the size of our summer associate classes aren't getting bigger, they're going the opposite direction, right? They they have more than, but it's going, but the size of classes of incoming lawyers are getting bigger. So there's more people applying for fewer jobs. They can do what they want. They have that latitude. They're not, they're not desperate for bodies the way they may have been in 2021.
0: I will. So I have a lot of thoughts on this. First of all, put aside. This may all be made up. This is one of those Reddit stories. Course, that Could easily be, of a,
1: course. But it still provides an interesting point of reference. It
0: does. And I have a I have a bunch of questions. First of all, figure out what your away message is. I'm not altogether sure a lot of people know what it is anymore because. A lot of us live in the 21st century where you don't leave phone messages anymore. Uh, you know, I mean, this is one of those classic. Yeah, but this
1: is one that you actively had to record at some point, like some point. You
0: all, you have to actively record all of them at some n- well, point. Well,
1: no, but no. I mean, if you just set it up, there can be like an, an automated, like you have reached. Sure, sure, your phone sure. number. You know, like, which I think is what a lot of people do have as their message, right? Just the automated, comes with the phone kind of default.
0: I don't know. Like, I think a lot of people, and and probably this person, set this up in high school or something when they first got a phone and have no idea what it says anymore, because who does that? Who who leaves messages anymore? I actually read somebody on Twitter made this point that uh, they had given their daughter, who's like 13 or something like that, a phone, and she was recording her message, and her message was hi, you've reached so-and-so at the beep, hang up and text me, which is the way, you know, the society actually works these days. Sure. Other than telemarketers.
1: (laughs) (laughs) I I just think that, At some point you made that message and you have to you have to think about what happens when you don't answer the phone.
0: Right. And that's the thing. I think people don't even know what their message is anymore.
1: Right. But like, I know I don't know exactly what mine says, but I know I don't make a D's nuts joke on it. Right.
0: (laughs) I mean, I I have called you recently. (laughs) So, yes, I can confirm it's a (laughs) it's a yo mama joke.
1: Oh, there you go. Much funnier. Much funnier.
0: Yeah. Anyway, uh, so yeah, anything else on that?
1: That's, that's it.
0: Well, all right then.
2: If you're a lawyer running a solo or small firm and you're looking for other lawyers to talk through issues you're currently facing in your practice, join the Unbillable Hours Community Roundtable, a free virtual event on the third Thursday of every month. Lawyers from all over the country come together and meet with me, lawyer and law firm management consultant Christopher T. Anderson, to discuss best practices on topics such as marketing, client acquisition, hiring and firing, and time management. The conversation is free to join but requires a simple reservation. The link to RSVP can be found on the unbillable hour page at LegalTalkNetwork.com. We'll see you there. All right. Who else is up?
1: Do we want to talk about James Ho? Never. Okay, then we can move yeah, on. Then, yeah, so that brings us to the end of the show. <laughs> there sh- we no, go. Um,
0: yeah. Well, no. no. I mean, right. listen. So what's up? Regular him?
1: listeners, readers of Above the Law are well familiar with James Ho. You've written quite a bit about him throughout the years. He is—he's a—he's a frequent punching bag. I think at Above the Law.
0: Yeah. So, all right. So, uh, while well, I don't know if he's a frequent punching bag, he's—he's so he's a Fifth Circuit judge who, in a world of judges who are potentially less professionally serious these days, uh, who are much more there to be bomb-throwing hacks than to express that they actually have deep judicial thought. He is the bomb throwy hackiest uh, sure. arguably. Appointed
1: uh, by Donald Trump. Shocking. Exactly he, he no was. People. <laughs> Yeah,
0: yeah, but I mean he often writes bombastic dissents mm-hmm. to blame the other you know, blame the people who didn't agree with him. You know, and it's all kind of set up as part of this breakdown in civility that some other Circuit judges have been lamenting, uh, but they're very, very good for earning yourself a nice little audience of fellow trolls. And those people tend to end up working on the staffs that figure out who hired higher office in the judicial world uh, nominations are going to be handed out. And, mm-hmm. you know, he, he seems very interested in that. And we've written mostly about him because he made a big deal out of Yale Law School and trying and complaining about the free speech crisis there, which if you've read up on any of the actual details of it, there was no real crisis other than the one that these people all manufactured in their heads. But he was very big about that so that he could find himself as the star of a bunch of yeah, I, right-wing I think media. That, I
1: think it's completely fair to say that he's sort of made it his goal to become one of the most talked about yeah. conservative legal jurists, right? Yeah. I think that that's pretty clear. But Mark Joseph Stern in Slate had actually had an article that we wrote about, about James O being right. So there you go.
0: <laughs> well, I mean, clocks can be broken and all.
1: Yeah, all, all that, all that good stuff. Um, but he actually has come out in two cases that arose from texas coming out saying that local police forces and politicians can't jail their political opponents
0: well i mean this is this is probably news to florida's uh <laughs> current leadership but yeah okay so the, so help me out here so yeah what does it mean to be jailing political opponents in this context?
1: Sure. Um, Obviously the facts are a little different in the two cases, but there are certainly enough similarities that uh, you can sort of make a case. These are little known or rarely, or if ever enforced regulation or uh, laws. And instead of just having a fine or, you know, some sort of a court appearance, they take these political opponents into jail. In one instance, I think took pictures of them and posted them and ridiculed This person, while they were in jail, you know, one of them was a a city council member that was in sort of a a tiff with the city manager, and the mayor was on the side of the city manager, and so the mayor appointed uh, appointed somebody to like look into her. And at one point, at a meeting, there had been a petition to recall the city manager, and this individual had had it put it in her binder for a minute. Somebody had asked for it later. She like pulled it out. was like, oh, here it is, and That moment of putting it in her binder, which everyone, I think, on both sides admits did not appear to be a deliberate action. It was in the middle of the meeting, whatever, was (laughs) painted as uh, hiding city information. So she was arrested when they uh, put in jail. When the district attorney found out about it, immediately released her from jail. Right. Um, and then she, you know, filed a First a First Amendment lawsuit, right? Because that's what happens. But when it made its way to the Fifth Circuit, it went to an on-bank hearing, and Judge Ho was on the bottom of a 10-6 decision, and the only dissenter who wrote an opinion saying, no, you can't do this. This can't be all right.
0: <laughs> yeah. It does seem like this sets a really problematic... Yeah. Here. Yeah.
1: It's. It, I think it's incredibly problematic. It's. A, they said that the plaintiff in the case, though, failed to prove that similarly situated individuals engaged in the same criminal conduct avoided repercussions. Of course, you know this is this concealing of government property. (laughs) It's not something that happens very often. And again, at all times, everyone admits when asked, she immediately handed it over, but apparently she can be arrested for that. The other one is a case that's still kind of coming up. This instance, uh, James Ho was on the top of a decision where it was a... citizen journalist who did not make a lot of friends (laughs) in her local town because she reports on things like the identities of crime victims' names. Uh, She reports from accidents on her Facebook page. And in two instances, she called the police department to confirm that so-and-so was involved in this incident or, you know, that kind of a thing. And she was arrested because she solicited non-public information from a public servant with the intent to gain a benefit, which is a law that has never been enforced in this particular town, Laredo, Texas— because she called to confirm <laughs> with the police department as opposed to filing some sort of a public records request that it's a longer process. Query
0: what the benefit is to put this on Facebook, but well, okay. she, Well,
1: she, they, they said to get more followers was the benefit that they have identified. Oh, okay. uh, wow. So she also sued for First Amendment rights. Uh, James Ho was like, this is wild. <laughs> Surely we can ask surely citizen journalists can ask questions of their public officials. This is ridiculous. And you would think that would be the end of it, but the Fifth Circuit now has agreed to hear the case on Banks. So it'll go to the full panel, which again, James Ho just lost that <laughs> similar case. Bite, yeah. On a 10-6 decision. So it doesn't look great for the First Amendment in Texas and the Fifth Circuit generally.
0: Yeah, that is all not great. It is interesting, though. I am a little intrigued by his take on this, given the the things he has said about what his vision of free and open discourse should look like. Mm-hmm. Uh, obviously, some of the stuff he said about the Yale situation leans very heavily toward the idea that citizen journalism is not great. Uh, so it is it is nice, I guess, to know that outside of a school context, he seems to think it might have a role. So that's, you know.
1: let's. It's not just, you know, this is my reading of the cases, kind of a bland decision, as is James Ho's writing style, <laughs> right? It is a very uh, kind of broad language. This is totalitarianism. He says it's beyond the pale when law enforcement officials weaponize the justice system to punish oh. their political opponents.
0: Oh, that's where this is. This is... <laughs> They, okay, so there's not really like a deep-seated philosophical thing. This is just the current right-wing bugaboo is weaponizing the justice system, so he's going to make some decisions where he can wax. These are
1: right, though, right? I mean, <laughs> sure,
0: but he's going to wax on, wax off about mm-hmm. the judicial he took, system. Uh,
1: he's, he said that, you know, this view of this Texas law would condemn countless journalists to arrest and incarceration uh, and that cannot be squared with the First Amendment.
0: Okay, I mean, I, it, that's fair. That's fair. Well, all right. Well, that is, those are three stories. Uh, is there they anything are. else of note that you want to toss in here?
1: I don't think so. Awesome. <laughs> I don't know. You were you were mostly busy at tech shows. I, I wrote a lot of things. I couldn't even remember which stories I wrote last week. So oh wow! It was a uh, it was a whole scene. <laughs>
0: fair enough. Uh, And I'm about to write a bunch more about the things that came out of Tech Shows. So everyone should keep an eye out for those. Uh, With that all said, uh, I guess if followers are a benefit, uh, I wouldn't have thought, but if they are uh, follow us on various things. Uh, Currently Twitter appears to be weirdly broken. It's not
1: weird. Nationwide. It's not weird at all. Yeah.
0: It's almost like firing everybody who makes the engine run. Uh, It doesn't work. I mean, but yeah. So uh, the, the, Tesla fire that is Twitter is currently not working, but eventually it will be. And you could then follow us uh, at ATL blog uh, individually. I'm at Joseph Patrice. She's at Catherine one. You could be reading above the law as always uh, to see these stories before we talk about them. Uh, You should be subscribed to the show so that you get these new episodes when they come out. Seriously, if you haven't ever done it, just go ahead and give it some stars. Go in, give us that that those stars. Write something. That sort of engagement helps. It means more people will read. Uh, well, not read. Will listen to the show, and that's a good thing. You can also listen to the Jabot, Catherine's other program. You can Mm -hmm. listen to the other programs on the Legal Talk Network that we aren't actually hosting. Is that everything? I did them slightly out of order, so I think I I, I might have lost it. it. Yeah, all right. So great. Uh, We will be back next week to chat about more stuff.
1: Peace.